It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 309 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called No BlizzCon 2021. It is May 28, 2021, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off with uh, something from Blizzard itself that if you're on social media, you probably saw it. If you're not on social media, this may be news to you, but there will not be a BlizzCon this year. There was some speculation about this during BlizzCon Line and shortly thereafter, which was an online BlizzCon, as many of you may recall. And so now we have an official thing from Blizzard itself. I'm going to read you parts of this little thing that they posted on social media with a link to a slightly longer blog post because, you know, you can't stick everything on Twitter. So it's called BlizzCon and our latest plans. And here's some of the key points. Um, As guidelines in California, here, I'm just going to start from the top. Greetings, Blizzard community. I hope you are staying safe and well as guidelines in California and in around in-person gatherings continue to evolve and the status of the pandemic fluctuates around the globe. The teams across Blizzard have been discussing what this means for one of the events we miss the most, BlizzCon. We know some of you might be wondering about your own plans to potentially cross the country, not to mention oceans, and meet your friends, family, and fellow community members in California. So today we wanted to give you a heads up that we've decided we will not be holding BlizzCon this year. So that's the first paragraph of of this that might be you know all you need to know but they're also emphasizing you know knowing that people are going to be disappointed by this anyway because i mean blizzcon's fun i've been to a few of them it's great to meet your friends in person and stuff like that but with the pandemic going on as blizzard mentioned in this already it's gonna make things tougher i don't know how they would do an in-person blizzcon like we've experienced in the past if you were lucky enough to go in a way that's going to accommodate around a pandemic. People are going to be disappointed that they can't go to BlizzCon to meet their friends. And that's understandable. It is. People look forward to this all year long. We didn't get to do it in person last year. I get it. I think Blizzard gets it as well. For those who don't want to accept that, and there were some people on Twitter that were kind of mad about this apparently, they continued with this. Building an in-person BlizzCon is an epic and complex affair that takes many months of preparation, not just for us, but also for the many talented production partners, esports pros, hosts, entertainers, artists, and other collaborators we team up with locally and globally to put all the pieces together. The ongoing complexities and uncertainties of the pandemic have impacted our ability to properly move forward on many of these fronts. And ultimately, we're now past the point where we'd be able to develop the kind of event we'd want to create for you in November. So there, um, that's, there's a little bit more in here. And they also said, but we don't want to let too, we don't want to let too long go by before we connect with everyone again. So in the meantime, we're planning a global event for the early part of next year, combining an online show along the lines of our recent BlizzCon line with smaller in-person gatherings. And we'll share more as our plans come together. Now that's interesting to me because I think, I don't know if I've mentioned it on a podcast or if I... Maybe I have. I know I've talked about this with people. I just don't remember who exactly off the top of my head right now about 
maybe if the pandemic is still going and Blizzard wants to do an in-person BlizzCon, maybe they could do smaller events. And I think I was mentioning that the the launch party for Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls was a much smaller event than BlizzCon would be. It was packed. There were a lot of people. It was long before the pandemic hit in, uh, in well, the world, I'm going to say. So they can do small events if they want to, but I don't know what those events would consist of or how they would determine who can be invited to it or if it's going to be a first come first serve ticket sort of thing and i don't know but you know it's good that blizzard is acknowledging that hey there's a pandemic going on and this makes things difficult and potentially dangerous for some people we know at least in the united states that there are a lot of people that are getting vaccinated i got my first covid shot um, like right before, certainly before recording the previous episode. And I'll be getting my next one in a couple of weeks. I hear that one hits harder. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm, you know, immunocompromised, but I did pretty well with the first shot. So we'll see about the second. But because I'm immunocompromised, even if I get the, you know, I'm going to get the second shot, that doesn't mean I can't catch COVID. It just means you'll catch a lighter version of it if you come if you encounter it and it also means you could catch a variant potentially if there's one around so i'll be like you know washing my hands a lot and wearing masks outside and in well i don't need to wear it indoors in my house it's just me and my husband that's it we kind of you know we know whether or not we have covid right but like if i went to blizzcon like if they did a blizzcon this year and i decided to go for some reason i mean first of all i don't think i would because of what i just said but the other problem is if you did, if they were to do an in-person BlizzCon as usual, like what we normally would expect out of BlizzCon this year and just say, you know, and just Leroy Jenkins it into existence, right? It could be really dangerous because we have just in the United States and within the state of California, we have a lot of people that are not vaccinated. Some of them have jobs that prevent them from actually getting to the vaccination sites or they are concerned that if they get the vaccine and are sick they will have to call off of work and they aren't going to get paid for those days and that that's really rough there are people who have decided they're never going to get the vaccines for whatever reason and there are people that are more immunocompromised than i am that maybe can't get the vaccine so you're going to have a mix of people that are fully vaccinated by whatever one whatever shot they took are maybe halfway vaccinated and going to get the second part if it was a two shot kind of thing or are just not going to be vaccinated at all all mixing together in a space in the anaheim convention center and we know now that large groups indoors you should be wearing masks and like ventilation has to be spot on in order to prevent the virus from spreading how the heck would they do that how would they do that in like what we think of as a typical BlizzCon? So I'm going to be interested in seeing what these smaller, you know, the online show sounds like something everybody can participate in safely from home. And that's cool. That was BlizzCon line. And I, you know, I wasn't on that, but I was part of a group that was uh, providing commentary and opinion on it for WoW Radio and all things Azeroth podcast. It was fun. It could be fun again. I get that. I want to know what the smaller in-person gatherings are. And, of course, we don't know this yet, so it's something to look forward to, I suppose. Con Before the Storm is a group that has been doing wonderful pre-BlizzCon parties for a very long time. I was lucky enough to participate in the first one when um, they were doing, like, podcasting panels, and I was talking about just sort of BlizzCon in general 
And then there were a bunch of ones uh, that were about different Blizzard games with people who knew a lot about the games on it. And it was a lot of fun. I've been at a couple more of these events, and they're always a good time. It's it's held you know, in Anaheim, in one of the hotels, and it's right before BlizzCon starts. So you go to this party the night before, and you meet all your friends and hang out and meet uh, streamers, and, you know, there's art, and there's all this cool stuff. Obviously, that's not going to happen this year because there is not going to be an in-person BlizzCon. So Con Before the Storm wrote this tweet. While we are sad we won't get to see you all for our community-focused pre-party for BlizzCon, we also understand we hope to bring everyone back together virtually again later this year in light of all this and maybe come back bigger than ever in 2022. They did do uh, Con Before the Storm online before BlizzCon line. So not immediately before, but they did do it. They had the panels and people talking about the games and stuff. So that's a possibility as well for people that, you know, can't go to BlizzCon in person because they're not going to have it except for whatever those small events are. So there's hope. It's just going to be a little different for a little while longer. Pure Diablo has an article that I thought was kind of interesting to, to share. And it's titled Cease and Desist's issued to Diablo 2 resurrected hackers. And my first impulse on this is like, why are you hacking a game that isn't even like really out yet entirely? I mean, what is this about, right? Um, so basically what, I'm gonna read you a small portion of this and what was written on Pure Diablo's website was as soon as the Diablo 2 resurrected alpha code became available to testers, it was inevitable that Diablo 2 resurrected hackers would try and circumvent Battle.net checks. A few days after the alpha launched, utilities started to appear that allowed non-testers to access the alpha outside of the Battle.net Battle.net environment. Most people who grabbed the tools will have simply wanted to try it out in single player as the testing pool was quite small. And they have a thing here uh, from this. There's a Blizzard gave a statement to Kotaku about this and this was recent, recent article and that's I think where Pure Diablo is getting some of this from. So basically it's, uh, there's mods that were made to get into the alpha when you weren't supposed to and Blizzard sent uh a wave of cease and desist letters from you know to the people that made these mods i think it says one creator says blizzard even went as far as to send a private investigator to his home to serve the warning in person so uh there's a paragraph here blizzard's technical alpha for diablo 2 resurrected a content limited invite only single player experience that lasted just a few days was practically begging to be poked prodded and data mined and modders obliged producing tools shortly after the alpha went live in april that allowed users to unlock classes that weren't playable in the early build play the game offline without a technical alpha invite play the game after the end of the testing period and even access multiplayer via unofficial servers so this is obviously not allowed at all whatsoever you know at all and uh there is an article linked to in the kotaku thing from someone that uh it was an april 12th blog post that's on archive.org now but taken down otherwise titled inviting myself to the diablo 2 resurrected closed alpha which is you know that's just a red flag right there that is hey blizzard look what i'm doing i'm not supposed to do you know that's what that is with that kind of title and it's it's still out there um yeah i just why do people do these things the game's gonna come out soon you have no patience i mean come on you know if, if Blizzard wanted you to be in the alpha, they'd give you access to the alpha. It was a closed alpha. So, you know, I mean, have some patience. 
This is why we can't have nice things, people, because people do this kind of stuff and then, you know, they probably get banned from everything. I don't know. I didn't read the entire article with either one. But it's just interesting to me that, like, people are so, like, driven to hack their way into stuff that they can get, they, they're going to get access to eventually with everybody else at the same time. I mean, like, could you not? I mean, I don't know what's up with these people. Moving on, uh, Diablo Immortal posted uh, one of those little videos about a big giant monster in the game. And it's uh, got a, a, it's a five second video like they've been doing. The art is amazing. It's like this giant tall thing that's on fire and it's got some demon horns and stuff like that. It's described as this, meet Lassel the Flame Spun. He is here to burn you into a splatter of ash, which <laughs> sounds like he could from the look of it. There's also uh, Diablo, the Diablo account has a screenshot here of the stash that you see in Diablo 3. And they wrote this, it is said that you can tell a lot about a mortal by looking into their stash. On a scale of one to five, how organized is yours? And so at one side, there's a one, and on the other side, there's a five with a gap in the middle there. And with one, it's got a mix of different colors of armor. There's blues, there's yellows, there's some legendaries, there's a couple of gems in here and some other random stuff. There's at least one thing in there that looks to be a gray item and a couple of random open slots. That's categorized as one. And five has a series of gems at the top of the stash, and they are going vertically by color. Like it's, you know, horizontally, it's each color. It's red, purple, green, uh, brown, white. And underneath that, based on the quality of the gem or the size of the gem, it starts with the biggest ones at the top and then goes to the bottom and there's space to add more. And then they've got mostly legendaries and green items in here and some other little things that look like they're probably crafter books like to give to the blacksmith or maybe the jeweler. People were asking, you know, people were answering this question. Uh, the first response they got was negative uh, 500, the person says of himself. I'm a hoarder with a... With a a hoarder of gear with a full inventory and full stash. And Diablo responds, how does it feel to know that even with everything you've gathered, there is still no escaping death? <laughs> I think that's hysterical, you know? Um, someone else says, probably about a four. Don't know why I can't keep my life that organized. And Diablo responds, as always, Diablo is better than life. And the person responds, you right. And it just kind of keeps going. And I am constantly amused by the personification of the Lord of Hell that the Diablo account has taken on. And that, you know, you could just kind of picture Diablo like trying to type with those giant claws, you know, and respond to it. And they've really created a character out of this. And it's just awesome. I, this is the best use I've ever seen of a video game oriented Twitter account. And it's just, it's just fun to see what they do. Moving on, we've got a couple of podcasts that are Diablo podcasts that uh, released episodes recently. Hearthstone to Hell, which is a Diablo and Path of Exile podcast, released episode 25, and it's described this way. Shazam talks about Diablo 2 Ladder Reset and his gameplay in the Diablo Immortal Alpha. We also had... Westmarch Workshop release an episode, episode number 209, titled We're Immortals. And 
It looks like, uh, I don't know how long this thing was. I've got the link to the website where you can access it. And it looks like it's kind of long. So um, in this episode, Nineball is joined by AKA Snuggie to discuss all of the latest happenings in the Immortal Alpha. We've unlocked the Immortal content on the NA server, and let's see what all that's about. Snuggy and I, meaning Nineball, also jump into some in-depth lore discussions on the fate of many of the characters within the Diablo franchise and some of the story we've seen in Diablo Immortal. So there's um, going to be a lot of lore in that episode, which should be interesting to check out. I also like to highlight art from the Diablo community that gets posted on Twitter. And so there is a person named Neil David Carter, and he is uh, he has described himself in his Twitter bio as I like time traveling and nostalgia. Hashtag Diablo for cinematic director. OK, so he's a big guy in the Diablo. And this isn't just an artist who's not part of like Blizzard's team. This is someone working on it. He's working on Diablo four in some capacity as cinematic director. And he's got four pictures here of Lilith and they're titled just Lilith holding cats and so in each one um if you can picture the lilith statue where she's holding the head of a demon he has replaced that head and the first image of lilith is holding garfield like a big fuzzy garfield that's staring out at the viewer the second one is a large fluffy white cat that is laying across her arms and looks kind of content the next one is a large fluffy gray cat that looks like maybe he doesn't really want to be held right now and the last one is a huge fat siamese cat with very shocked looking eyes so it's really well done and it's kind of cute so i figured i'd show you that and everything i've talked about today is going to be linked into the show notes at shatteredsoulstone.com if you want to check it out Moving on towards Activision, because Blizzard and Activision are merged into like the same entity almost, or the same company anyway. Um, There's this article on PC Gamer, and it's from two days ago. The title is this, over 30, let me try that again, over 350,000 Call of Duty accounts have been banned for racist names or toxicity in the past year. That many in the past year. The blurb says Activision said in an update that it is also looking into ways of cracking down on toxic behavior over voice chat. So here's a little uh, piece from what Activision wrote, and it's quoted in here. And this is, again, the Call of Duty Warzone and other games in the series. So it's not just one Call of Duty game, it's several of them. And so this is what was uh, a quote from Activision. Our goal is to give players the tools needed to manage their own gameplay experience combined with an enforcement approach that addresses hate, uh, hate speech, racism, sexism, and harassment, Activision said. Specifically, the writer of this article, who is uh, Andy Ch- uh, Chake, C-H-A-L, oh, it's L, Andy Chalk, okay. Uh, he says, specifically, that means more resources dedicated to detecting and stopping bad behavior, ongoing reviews of enforcement policies, and, quote from Activision, scrubbing databases to bring systems up to current standards and more and better communication with players. 350,000 account bans is impressive, says the writer of this, although it's well short of the 475,000 that have been banned over the past year for cheating. 
He continues with what's more interesting in today's message, though, is the promise to crack down on toxic voice chat, which is a trickier challenge than monitoring text-based communications. In-game voice has largely escaped oversight as a result. And there's more in the article if you want to check that out. Pretty interesting. I would never in my life have expected that Activision would actually, like, try to make Call of Duty less toxic and to go after the racist names. It's kind of disgusting that people are using racist names as their characters and stuff. I mean, they must know it's racist, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious. Do they think they're funny? But I have heard... Now, I don't play this game. I have never played a Call of Duty game, but I have heard many people that have commented on social media that they were playing this game and just got harassed to hell and back by some rando in the voice chat. And, you know, it's not cool. It's not cool to do that. You don't want to piss off your fellow players in any game because, I mean, they're not going to play with you. They're not going to like you. And apparently you can get banned for that now. So that's what's going on with Activision at the moment. And the rest of what I want to talk about has to do with Twitch. And I'm including Twitch because many people who play video games stream on Twitch. And so this is a something good and something bad. And I'll give you the something good first. Okay. (laughs) So um, there have been, as a bit of background, there have been a lot of people that have been pushing Twitch to create tags that you can attach onto your Twitch um, page or account under like where you're streaming and all that. And... They wanted specific ones that would reflect marginalized communities. I've seen a lot of push for a transgender tag. I've seen some push for a black tag. And I've seen some others. I can't remember what they are right now. But those are the ones that I I saw the most people pushing for. And it's, I don't think any of this was started by, like, I don't think this was a one individual and everyone joined in. I think a lot of people saw this and just joined in on their own. There was something you could sign if you wanted to support the transgender tag. And so I did that because I know a lot of people who stream and I'm part of the LGBTQ community as a non-binary person. I'm like, why not? You know, so I did that. And then what Twitch did next was introduce the hot tub stream, which is... Not what people were asking for specifically, but apparently people were doing. That's a whole other thing. I don't care about that at all whatsoever. I do have to say, though, there was a person I was watching on Twitter that said, I'm doing a hot tub stream and then showed a photo of a hot tub and said, there is my hot tub and then went on playing the game as usual, which I thought was hysterical and snarky. But anyway, so what happened after that is uh, Twitch finally did release a list of tags. There's like at least 350 of these. There's like more than 350 of these and they are... uh, put into different categories. There's stream tags. So stream tags are applied by creators to their channel editors to streams up to five at a time, but some may also be applied to channels that meet qualifying conditions. There's category tags that are applied to categories and generally describe things like game genres. They cannot be applied directly by creators to their streams. Automatic tags are automatically applied to streams when certain conditions are met. They cannot be applied directly by creators to their streams. So there's a ton of these in here and you can, you, if you want to, you can uh, narrow it down to just see the stream ones or the category ones or the automatic ones, but there's just so many. They are in alphabetical order, and there's a description for each of these, and you can click on them. And if you click on any of these, it takes you to Twitch and shows you a bunch of streamers that are using those tags, which is pretty neat. And there's a number of these are um, either uh, describing countries or languages, So, you know, there's um, a couple up here, like there's one that says African-American at the top of the, you know, it's alphabetical. So it's towards the top. There's Alaska Native. There's there's an ally tag. Now, this one I wanted to talk about for a little bit. Previous to the tags that 
Twitch has actually sent out. Now, there were a lot of people who were supporters of the LGBTQ plus community, but weren't part of it themselves. So they were using the LGBTQ plus community tag to emphasize that they are an ally and people in that grouping are safe there and welcome. But it also caused some problems because if you're a person who is part of that community and you're looking for people that are part of that community, you're going to assume that the person that had the LGBTQ plus thing was part of that community when they're actually an ally. The A, the B, LGBTQA plus, A is for asexual. It's not for ally. So Twitch now has an ally tag. So if that's you, you can still support the LGBTQ community as you would before. There's just a tag to be a little more clear about it. That's cool. You know, that's really cool. Um, there's just so many things in here there's different sports things if you're playing a sports game different countries um i know that there's like i looked it up and there was a non-binary one i was really surprised because i didn't know they would go that far there's um ones in here i think they changed okay there is one for blind now streamers were using this to say I am playing a video game I know nothing about and have never played before. So it was a blind uh, stream, which eh, it's not that cool a way to put things. But now there is actually a blind tag and it is described as for streams and content featuring the blind community. So that's pretty cool. There is a BlizzCon tag. If you're talking about BlizzCon or streaming from BlizzCon in some capacity, uh, there's that. So that's kind of cool, uh, considering that's where I started this episode with, was talking about BlizzCon. There's a bunch that say Champion, and they these seem to be related to League of Legends, and it's got a name of a character. So if you're a champion with that character, I guess you can use one of these multitude of tags. There's a co-stream one if you're rebroadcasting another channel's live content and providing additional commentary over it. So there's that. There's one for people who are colorblind, which imagine trying to play a video game if you're colorblind. I think that would be hard. You know, so much of it is color coded and things like that. Like the gems in Diablo 3, if you can't see the color or you can't see all of the colors, I mean, that would be... It'd be tough. So they've got at least one of those in there. There's a cooking one because people are starting to do cooking streams. There's one that, that I'm going to use. Um, disabled. It's for streams and content featuring the disabled community because I am disabled. I have fibromyalgia. There's no cure. There's no medis medicine for it. It is what it is. There's uh, just there's a Dragon Con stream. I don't know that I know what that is. There's one for dyslexia, which, hey, that's me as well. There's one for dwarfism. Um, for streams and content featuring the dwarfism community. Did not know that was in there. Uh, there's, and I'm not reading all of these off, but I mean, my God, there's so many things in here. There's a gardening one. I'm not sure how you do that exactly, but you can. There's um, Gen Con. There's gender variant, gender fluid, gender queer, gender genetic disorder. If you have some sort of genetic disorder that you wanted people to know about. Um, or just that you have one, maybe not the specific one. There's one for gymnastics. I'm not sure how you would stream gymnastics, but apparently some people want to and have that tag in there. There's an indie game tag. There's an invisible disability tag. I mean, you'll see the words, but it's if you if you don't know, an invisible disability is one where you can look at a person somewhere in public and not have any idea that they are disabled because you can't see it. They're not, say, carrying a cane or in a wheelchair, that kind of thing. Um, there's an intersex one for people who feel that that describes them. And again, there's a lot of stuff with like languages and countries and things like that. I, I saw a streamer the other day using English and the person was uh, living in England. So that makes sense. There is, of course, still the LGBTQIA plus 
tag. There's a leveling tag if you just want to level, like I'm just leveling my barbarian to 70. You know, you could do that with this. There's a makeup one. I guess people do stuff with that. Um, there's something having to do with maps from uh, League of Legends. There's a lot of League of Legends stuff in here, guys. There's a lot. I'm using guys genderlessly because I grew up in the Midwest. Maybe I should say people instead. So pick one of those if it applies to you. There's stuff for Borderlands 3. If you're playing that, I mean, I'm quite surprised at how some of these tags are so, like there's a handful of tags for specific games. There's one for Neurodivergent. If you're a part of the Neurodivergent community, there's, um, let's see. And again, this is, I'm skipping so many because it would take all day to read all of these out. And you probably don't want to hear like every single one of them. There's, let's see, there's a PTSD one for streams and content featuring the post-traumatic stress disorder community. So if someone's talking about PTSD, that might be maybe in a chatting category or something. There's one for quilting. Huzzah! <laughs> quilting or quilted, a production of quilts or quilted games. <laughs> games that have quilting in them. I wonder if like the Yarny one, which is not exactly quilting or crocheting would count with that. The little ball of yarn guy, you gotta run through a puzzle game kind of thing. There's role play. So if you're playing um, Dungeons and Dragons or uh, Vampire the Masquerade or any of the other ones that come up, um, there's a category for that. So you can use it that way so people understand, oh, that's what they're doing in here. Uh, there's different tags for different ty types of games as well. There is a sewing stream in case you want to sew things and have people watch. That's cool. I didn't. I had no idea that there was this much art type stuff going on on Twitch. Maybe I should look a little closer next time. Um, let's see. There's a speed run. It's still there. You can still do speed runs. Okay, there is a St. Jude tag for streams that feature creators in the St. Jude Play Live global fundraising campaign to end childhood cancer. That's cool. I didn't know they had that. I mean, I know people do charity streams, but I didn't know they had it. Well, they have a tag for it now if they didn't before. That's pretty cool. Um, there's one for Tourette's Syndrome for streams featuring the Tourette Syndrome community, or I suppose if you have Tourette Syndrome, you could identify that way with the tag if you choose. There is in fact the transgender tag. So that's in there. Um, there's a bunch of stuff having to do with music that I don't entirely understand, so I'm not gonna read those off you know, specifically. Uh, if you're a veteran, if you're a military veteran, there's a veteran tag you can use to let people know about that if you want to. There's visually impaired for streams of uh, and content featuring the visually impaired community. There is um, at least one person that is a streamer who is visually impaired and does play video games with uh, someone I watch from time to time on Twitch. So that could work, you know? Uh, there's also visible disability. So if you are a person that is that has the type of disability that people can tell that you have a disability just by looking at you because you're in a wheelchair or you have a cane or you have a guide dog or whatever you need, there's a tag for that if you want to use it. There's a voice acting one if you're doing voice acting. Okay, so um, there is a tag for woman. I just scrolled through. There is a tag for man, so you can identify yourself that way if you so choose. There's uh, a tag for masculine. Is there a tag for feminine? Let's see how well Twitch did with this stuff, you know? And I'm going through it so you don't have to, basically. Um, let's see, there is one for feminine. There's one for festival, if you're at a local festival. So when you go to the Ren Fair and you want to stream from that with like a selfie stick or something, which I've seen people do, uh, you know, you can put that under festival. Um, there's fiber arts, which I missed, which is just, you know, more like crocheting and stuff like that. Uh, knitting, these kinds of things. There's a hard of hearing one uh, for people who uh, have difficulty hearing. 
Um, I don't know if Twitch allows you to have subtitles or not. I don't remember, but that would be useful if you'd like people to that can't um, that can't hear your game or hear what you're saying to participate. There's a lesbian tag right next to the Lebanese tag. Don't get those two screwed up unless both of those relates to you. I guess you can't screw it up then. Um, let's see. There's a whole lot of stuff for Counter-Strike Global Offensive. If you play that, there's a bunch of tags relating to that one. Metalwork. Okay, so if you're like welding, I guess, or making swords or something. Maybe you're the person doing that so you can go to the Ren Fair in a cool costume. I don't know. There's Borderlands 3 tags you can use. I didn't say any for like Diablo games. <laughs> um, there's a multiracial tag if you want to use that one. There's, uh, let's see what else we have in here that isn't something I already... Oh, neurological condition. There's another one for me. My goodness, how can I fit all these tags? Fibromyalgia is a neurological condition. It's also an invisible disability, and I don't know how I'm going to fit all these in. There's a non-binary tag. That's what I'm going to use for sure if I ever stream again. There's a non-verbal one. For those of you that don't know, there are people who are non-verbal. Either there is something about them that makes it so they are unable to speak or to use language in a way that most people would. Uh, some people are nonverbal by choice um, because they they can talk to people, but they strongly prefer not to, you know? So that's that's a thing. I didn't know you could... You, you can have a tag for it if you want to, you know, if, if... I think, okay, if I were a nonverbal video game player and I was playing video games and not talking to the chat, I think maybe the non-verbal tag could indicate why I was not talking to the chat. <laughs> that might work, you know? That's interesting. I never thought about that one. There's so many in here I have not thought about. There's painting tags. There's one for pansexual people. I'm skipping all the countries because it's just there's too many, but just assume your country's in there. probably is. Um, there's a papercraft thing. There's one that says party for games that feature elements consistent with the party genre. What is the party genre? And below it, it says party game. And that one says for streams that feature a game that facilitates social interactions and is typically meant to be played in a group. There's a stream for PAX. There's one for Persistent Campaign, which sounds like a medical issue. Uh, it's for streams that feature a long-form role-playing campaign designed to be completed over the course of many sessions. So like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. There's one for plants, which is somehow separate from the one for gardening. There's PTSD for people who have that. They can talk about it. There's a psychosis one for people in uh, featuring the psychosis community. Okay, there's a robotics tag if you're making robots. There's role play, which I think there's a lot of these that cover like Dungeons and Dragons and you know, Vampire the Gathering and any of the White Wolf games and stuff like that in there. Shopping. How do you stream shopping? Why? Why would you stream shopping? I, I don't understand it, but I guess somebody could do it. There's software development if you're doing that kind of stuff. Hopefully you're not pe teaching people how to hack Blizzard games with it, but you know, whatever. Um, there's stealth for stealth games, I guess. I don't know what those would be either. Tattooing. I, okay, sure. See, there's some things in here that I don't know what they are at all whatsoever, uh, but there's just so many things in here. There's... Uh, unmodded, if you're a streamer that features gameplay from an unmodded version of a game, and I'm thinking with this one, there's a lot of people that play RimWorld, and you can add a ton of mods to RimWorld, but you don't have to. So, um, there's a person I watch stream this fairly often, or I watch their videos of it, and 
without a doubt, everyone, someone's going to come in and be like, well, what mods are you using? And typically the person doesn't use mods, so that would be a good tag. Here's one I never expected to see. Vatican Citizen for streams and content featuring the Vatican City community. Is this... I don't know. Are you streaming the Pope's speech? Are you... I, I don't know what that means exactly. But they have it. There's visible disability. I think that I feel like that's covered somewhere already in here. There's visually impaired uh, in there as well. If you feel that that covers you uh, better than blind covers you, or maybe you want both. I don't know. Yeah, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff for something called different zones of a game called New World. There's a whole bunch of tags for those. So that's pretty interesting. So somewhere in there probably defines you. And if you are a streamer, you can. You can do that. There's also, I'm looking at this, there's three tags for subscriber streams. So subscriber streams can be viewed by channel subscribers. Logged in, non-subscribed viewers will see a free preview of subscriber streams. There's a stream uh, subscriber stream tier two plus and a three one. If you ever just want subscribers only for whatever reason, um, the only time I've seen people use a subscribers only stream, one person was playing a game that was new to them and did not want any spoilers and was they knew that their subscribers weren't going to spoil anything. They trusted them, but they didn't want some rando to come and be like, hey, this is what happens next, you know. Um, I've seen that and I've seen people use it at times when they're getting a lot of um jerks coming in and just causing trouble you know in a raid like people do that they do hate raiding and stuff like that and it's horrible and should not be done so i mean if that happens you can make it subscribers only because those people aren't subscribed and they go away so i've seen that but yeah that's a good reason to have those and i've got one last thing in here and it's also from twitch this has to do with dmca which twitch has talked about before and uh they sent me uh, an email. I have not found this in a blog post or on Twitch's socials or anything like that. So if you are, if you have a Twitch account, you probably got one of these emails. If not, this is what they're talking about. Um, we are committed to being more transparent with you about DMCA. We recently re received a batch of DMCA takedown notifications with about 1,000 individual claims from music publishers. All of the claims are for VODs, that's video on demands, and the vast majority target streamers listening to background music while playing video games or in real life streaming. Based on the number of claims, we believe these rights holders used automated tools to scan and identify copyrighted music in creators' VODs. VODs and clips, which means that they will likely send further notices. We are actively speaking with music labels about solutions that could work for creators as well as rights holders. This is our first such contact from the music publishing industry. There can be several owners for a single piece of music, and we are disappointed they decided to send takedowns when we are willing and ready to speak to them about solutions. Now, to protect your content, they have this. While the vast majority of you don't include unauthorized background music in your live streams, this recent batch suggests that some of you still do. The only way to protect yourself from DMCA notifications is to not stream music or other copyrighted material you do not have the rights to. If you know you have unauthorized music or other copyrighted materials in your past VODs or clips, we strongly recommend that you permanently delete anything that contains that material. 
For your remaining VODs, we recommend you use the unpublish all feature and review any content for unauthorized music or other copyrighted material. If you believe your content has been misidentified or taken down by mistake, there's a way you can talk to Twitch about that and this sort of thing. So um, that's what's going on. The people that own the music, which apparently, according to Twitch, can be multiple people owning the same piece of music somehow, they can take down your stuff on Twitch. They can get rid of your videos on Twitch. So you might want to go back through those and see what's got copyrighted material. Um, as for me, I the only music I've ever played when I used to stream on Twitch was the music inside the game. And I'll, if I stream again, I'll just take the music out of the game. And I just play Blizzard games so, so far on Twitch. So, I mean, that's allowed. So, yeah. Um, it's not going to, you know, the copyright owners are really going after Twitch streamers. And I get it because it seems like maybe the publishing houses own it or the musicians own it or they all own it and it's all copyrighted and all that kind of stuff. But still, it's if they're using automated takedowns and stuff, they're going to get some stuff wrong because it's not a human checking it. It's something that, you know, some automated system, you know, hears a couple notes and goes, oh, that's this song. We have to, t you have to take that down. So... And then there's people who are just actively playing music that anyone would recognize is copyright anyway. So if that's you, you might want to stop doing that because they're going to have you take down your VODs and stuff like that. So I, um, I just deleted all of mine because I just didn't want to mess with it. And I have copies of it. So who cares? In my opinion, this may affect other people who have been streaming for years and years and for hours and hours every day for like, you know, years on end. This might be hard to sort through. So just a heads up if that's you. There's a thing. So that's the bad news from Twitch. And the tags were the good news. And that's going to be it for today in this uh, really weird show, I think. Um, about. I mean, it's all about gaming and most of it's about Diablo and Blizzard and Activision. But still, it's just like things get weird, you know. Okay, so... I'm going to close the show. You have been listening to episode 309 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as... At, as at the Shattered Soulstone website. The show is powered by you, the listener. Send in your thoughts, contributions, questions, and feedback to our Twitter at Shattered Stone or Facebook, facebook.com slash Shattered Soulstone. You can leave a comment on the blog if you choose to. Thank you for listening. Um, I don't know if there was a tag for man. Let's go look that up and see if Twitch put both, right? Oh boy, my neighbor's car alarm is going off. That's lovely. Just, just hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. It's kind of amusing that I went looking for man, the alarms came off. You know? I was oh, like, holy shit. <laughs> don't do that. That's the timing. That's what it did. Man. All right, I guess that's an outtake right there, you know? <laughs>